0: Well, I did have a talk prepared for the last service, but I'm not sure if I'm doing it in this service now. Um, Maybe there'll be a bit more spontaneity. I'm not really very sure. Can you put up on the uh, wall for us, Colossians 1? God has rescued us. From the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. I just want that to stay there for the moment because it's a statement of what God has done for us in Jesus. In Jesus, he's brought us to the place of the kingdom to be ongoing in our lives. And how we execute that is our own story. I think I'm going to go straight into the reading, actually, instead of preamble before it. Um, Jesus was born into the Jewish nation. He inherited this, and it was to this he was speaking often. And in our reading this morning, we have some difficult things to look at really difficult, because it seems to say that the rich are rejected. And of course, it's not quite like that, but that's how it looks at a first reading. This man, I think, who came to Jesus had obviously, and in this version of Mark, he's just a man. In the other versions, he's rich. In another he's a ruler. But in, in this version, he's a man. And I think this guy had obviously heard Jesus speak before. He'd obviously, I think, seen the miracles he performed because he saw in Jesus an authority. And it was to Jesus he came asking that important question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What he understood by inheriting eternal life and what he was taught in Judaism was a different question to the one he was asking. And I think he knew it was quite different, but he didn't know how different. Jesus actually says to him, asks him a few questions. He asks him about the commandments. Do you this, do you that, do the other. The young man feels affirmed in that, because he can say, yes, yes, I do that. I've done this since I was a youngster. I understand those. Jesus looked at him and loved him. We understand that Mark's gospel was written as a result of his meeting, I think, with Peter when he was in Rome, and it was Peter's reminiscences of his ministry with Jesus. Jesus. And I think that's a lovely example. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Only someone who was close at hand could have said that. Jesus looked at him and loved him. But in his love for him, he had some difficult things to say. Because he says, where you are, in what you are, everything you have... This is a real obstacle to the question you're asking that I am going to begin to answer. It's such an obstacle. I think it's important that we understand that the Jews, in fact, thought riches were an indication of something good. It was good to be rich. It meant that you had a measure of approval don't know whether it was of the Pharisees or of God, but the Pharisees certainly approved of rich men. But Jesus said, there is an obstacle. And he tells him, he has some instructions for him. I want you, first of all, to get rid of all that you have and give to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. Then your priorities will be adjusted to the right priorities. You won't have any, any obstacle to come in the way. And then he says, you will have treasure in heaven. And when that happens, then I want you to come and follow me. Was this something this guy expected? Oh, I certainly don't think it was. It was something that he wasn't expecting at all. Of course the response of the man was that his face fell because Jesus had seen that he owned a lot, because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, and this is a learning point, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. How hard it is. The disciples were amazed because, of course, they were good Jews and they thought richness was an indication of favor. Jesus picks up this restlessness. He knows they're having to look at something. Children, he says, and just before we've been reading about the children who will inherit the kingdom of heaven because of their humbleness, because of their simplicity. He says, children... How hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, I must admit, David and I have seen camels a couple of times when we've been in Israel, and they are very large animals. And they are beasts that do a lot of favor for everybody. A camel is a port and possession. And Jesus takes the biggest animal they know of there, a camel, and makes a statement. He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. It's an overstatement. It's not literal, but he's drawing their attention to something. If it's just left to the rich man and God, and the rich man's in charge, then God has no place. The disciples were even more perplexed when he said this then who can possibly be saved? If a rich man can't be saved, where do we start? Where do we start? And Jesus says this, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. What he's saying is so important. If God's in control, even a rich man can go into the kingdom. If, but it's difficult for God to be in control of a rich man. You can imagine that, can't you? When I have a bit of money, I think, how am I going to spend this? How am I going to use it for me? So a rich man is difficult. But he says, with God, everything is is impossible. If a rich man has given his life to me, then he will, God's in charge. And he will be able to redeem that man. He will be able to take him into the kingdom. How important is that for us to know? And then, of course, having said that, Peter, of course, who's the spokesman for the minority, he's a spokesman for his group. He often says what the others would like to say, but they actually don't want to say it. But Peter's up there up front. Up front, he says, well, we've left everything for you to follow you. He says, we've left everything. So where do we stand in this kingdom stuff? You know, when you've left everything, and it's only a little everything as fishermen, it's sometimes more than what a, lot, a person who has lots of money has. You've left everything. We've come to follow you. And Jesus said, I don't want this to be your concern. I love you. You've followed me. You will be repaid a hundredfold. In the kingdom, in the kingdom, you will be repaid. Don't worry, don't look at it. Don't try and work out who's where and what and why. You are where you are. You're following me. But many, he says, who are first will be last and the last shall be first. Don't try and toy with it. That's how it is. Leave it alone. I wonder, you know... When Peter said what he did, it was, it was a bit of frustration, lack of understanding, and I just, but then Je- when Jesus spoke in the way he did, Peter began to take on board what Jesus was saying. But I just want to draw attention to the young man who came to Jesus. How important, because we hear a, a little story there. We don't know what happened to the young man. We don't know what he did when he went away. We don't know how he examined his life. We don't know that story. We only know this particular teaching episode. And when we think about that, it's the road that we take as well because we have questions to ask at certain times in our lives. I want us to look back at that for he has rescued us from the one ...from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son. He has rescued us. I wonder what we understand by that. He has rescued us. I think it's a good word, rescue, more than saved. Because for me, rescue seems to want some involvement, somehow, of another person. If somebody rescues you, they do something. And they take you from the bad place where you are, where you need rescuing from, and put you in a safer place how important that is when we think about the ministry of Jesus and what he has to say about the kingdom and you know I think of Peter Peter who is the one who speaks out Peter who is the one who stands in the place where he is and doesn't sometimes think what he's saying I think how, how important that is and he, I think Peter receives his training through his continued, repeated mistakes. He receives his training for that. Jesus is patient with him. Jesus knows where he is. Jesus gives time to him. And it's often in our mistakes and our failures that we learn. And I think the important thing is it brings us back to a humble place the place where Jesus wants us, that humble place. You know, when I think of Peter and him saying, when Jesus came to wash his feet, Jesus washing the feet in John's gospel before he was taken away. Jesus washing the filthy feet of the disciples, putting a towel around his waist and washing the feet. And Peter said, are you going to wash mine? And Jesus said, but if I don't, you won't belong to what I'm doing. You won't be part of me. You won't understand service. Jesus put himself in absolute service, the humblest thing you could do to wash those feet. So when he heard that, Peter says, well, wash all of me then. I understand what you're saying a bit. Wash all of me. And then it was Peter, of course, who denied Jesus. And Jesus had predicted it. Before the cock um, crows twice, you will have denied me three times. And in Mark's gospel, Peter does this in the courtyard. He isn't in the same room where Jesus is in questioned. And when he's done it, the cock crows and he's reminded That he's done the worst thing he's possibly do. He's denied his, his Jesus, the man who he's worked with, who he's loved, because he's afraid. It's fear who's caused him to deny Jesus. We've had in our lives, I believe, each one of us, wherever we are, wherever we are in our understanding of the kingdom, We've had times when we've needed to ask questions. Ask questions of God so that his Holy Spirit might begin to touch the question we've asked and begin to show us the answer to that question. And I think, you know, the gospel talks about listening, not hearing, but listening, listening with our ears, listening with our spirit, listening to what Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit wants for us. And I wonder, as I stand here this morning, I wonder what the question is that each one of us needs to ask now. Not just a flippant question, but a now, something that's inside us that is wanting us to articulate to God something about us as individuals and it's us who are continuing to walk in the kingdom here in Basin Hill we're part of a community of believers and the questions we ask not only will if when we get an answer will affect us but it will affect the kingdom here in whatever we're asking, how it works. And I think that's the challenge of what we're laid before us. I pray that that rich man, so-called, asked the questions, asked a question, pursued Jesus, wanted to know the answer, and wanted to actually surrender what he needed to surrender. And I pray that we can surrender in question form what we need to give over to God what we want to know about our next step. I'm going to sing a worship song to you now, and it's one that I'm sure you know. That I don't want you to think of the words and try and remember them. I just want you to listen to the words and allow um, the Holy Spirit to actually minister to us as we listen to those words.
1: me Jesus, spirits, watch all
0: So, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for, for the things you've given to each one of us. The things you've shown us, the things you've blessed us with. And, Lord Jesus, help us to equally bless you with who we are for you in the place where you've put us. So that your kingdom here in this place may grow as we ask you the questions we want to know the answers to and help us to hear your answer to each one of us this day and the days ahead. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.